Romans chapter 12. Uh, I very desperately wanted to, not desperately, but I have been feeling in my heart lately to uh, just start a short series leading up to Christmas on the some of the, the important, I, I should say all of them are important, but uh, the importance and stressing the importance of the messianic prophecies out of the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Christ. But today I'm not going to do that. I just, the Lord dropped something in my heart Friday afternoon that was outside of that. I was studying for the other message and just uh, this verse of scripture just jumped off the page at me and I really felt like it was something that we as a church needed to hear. And I'm trusting the Lord today to give to you exactly what you need today because uh, I believe that God does not uh, bring us to a certain point and then in this life at least say, you've arrived. Now just take it easy. Just be idle. Just, you know, take your time. Don't worry about anything. I believe that as Christians and as believers, we must be moving forward. In fact, one of the basic themes and central themes out of the book of Hebrews is that if you're not going forward, you're going back. You can't, you can't stand still in the kingdom. There, there can, there's no real place for you and I to just kind of stand there and do nothing. We have got to be progressing. We've got to be moving forward. And Paul reminds the Christians that he is writing to and lets them know in Romans, and I want to read one verse of Scripture. The Bible says this in verse 11. It says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. If I were to title this message today, it would be this, Boiling Believers. Now, don't take that to mean something quite ugly and disgusting and different. I simply mean this, and this is where we're going to get into this in a moment. That word for, that word fervor literally means, in the original language, it comes from a root that means to boil or to seethe. There is the element of fire that is involved in all of this. But I want you to see today what it is that Paul says. Paul says this, never be lacking in zeal. Now, the idea here is that zeal is something, and we often associate zeal with a new Christian. Sometimes we will say about somebody who is a new Christian, a new believer, and the Lord touches them, and they are just ready to take on the world, the devil, the flesh, everything. They're just ready to take it on. You know, bring it on. And, and for many parts of, of what it is that they are, are trying to do is you, you sometimes want to just say, now come on, hold on, hold on. I don't think for a minute that we should ever tell anybody, hold on. I don't think we should ever, if somebody has and is zealous for the Lord and is going after God, you see, the word here that, that is used for zeal also can mean pursuit. 
So the question that I have for you today, for this church, for this body of believers, what is your pursuit? What are you zealous about? What is it that you are giving yourself to? What is it that you are passionate for and passionate about? I know the things that we sometimes are, you know, we talk about maybe after the service. We, you know, some of the men might get together and we'll discuss football or we'll discuss, you know, what's happening with the Cubs or the White Sox or you might be wondering what's going to happen with the Bulls when the NBA, you know, gets it all together and everybody's discussing all of that or maybe you've got an interest or a passion that you have something on the inside of you that moves you and motivates you and that becomes your pursuit. But the Bible says here, never be lacking in zeal. But zeal for what? There is, it seems like it's an open-ended thing, but obviously we have to understand that the last part of this verse, serving the Lord, indicates that our zeal has to be for Him. That our pursuit has to be the Lord. David said these words, the psalmist wrote, I believe it was another psalmist who wrote these words actually. He said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. There is this pursuit this, this going after of God, brothers and sisters, that all of us must realize that if we are lacking this pursuit, how in the world can we potentially slap a label on our foreheads that says, I'm a Christian? I realize that might, that might you know, offend your sensibilities. Oh, come on, pastor. Please don't get radical. Don't, please don't, you know, don't, don't get to the point where you're going to just somehow make me feel uncomfortable. Listen, if you are sitting here today and you are comfortable, it is my job to make you as uncomfortable as possible. If you are here today and you are uncomfortable, it is my job to help you and bring comfort to your soul because if there is that within you that says, I'm just going to sit back, I'm going to relax, I've been a Christian a long time, I'm going to coast in my Christianity, and oh God, I just can't wait to get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. But brothers and sisters, before we get to that point, there is something that God has called each and every one of us to do. God has called each and every one of us never to be lacking in zeal. Don't be lacking in your pursuit. Now, there are a lot of things that we pursue in life. You think about your Sunday for a minute. Now, I, I know I'm not, after this, I'm so not going to be popular. You think about your Sundays. What are your pursuits on Sunday? Oh, Pastor, I can't wait till you get done because football's on this afternoon. Well, you know, my job called me to work. I need to work that extra. The economy's tough. Cut back on hours. I got to do what I got to do. I got to go after the job. Got to go after work. Whatever happened to the time where we said and we believe the word of God when the word of God says that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Oh, but pastor, I can't buy that 46-inch LCD TV. Now let's face it. What's the real reason you're going to work? It isn't to pay the electric, it isn't to pay the rent. It's so you can run to Best Buy and get whatever it is you have your heart set on. Oh, I knew it would get quiet. That's all right. 
Never be lacking in zeal. We're, we're zealous. Oh, look at that new thing. Look at that. Oh, I got to get that. Well, maybe it requires me to work a little extra. Oh, pastor can't make it to church on Sunday. And you know what, brothers and sisters, let's face it. The last few weeks, when it comes to our Sunday morning attendance, we have had a rough, rough go of it. For those who are visiting today, I apologize. But we've had a rough go. The attendance has been low. Tuesday nights have been but a pittance. When we, when we think about what it is that we're pursuing, what are you pursuing? What are you going after? What is most important in your life? The Bible says, have no other gods before me, and yet somehow we have placed other gods in front of the Lord. Listen, God said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply your needs. We've got to trust in Him, believe in Him, and hope in Him. And brothers and sisters, God will come through for you. You don't ever have to doubt it. What are you pursuing? What are you going after? David said, I I want to know him. I want to go after him as the deer pants for the water brook. So my soul longs for you, O God. Paul said to the Philippians, he said these words. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and being made conformable unto his death. He said, I want to know him in every way possible that I can know Jesus. I want to know everything about him. And brothers and sisters, there are times where our pursuit is nothing more than let me crack the Bible for about five minutes in the morning and let me just breathe a quick prayer off to work and then my day is gone. The rest of my week is gone. And then all of a sudden we show up in church and we say, oh God, touch me touch me brothers and sisters he wants to touch you he wants to minister to you but when it all comes down to it we've got to make him our pursuit never be lacking you know what that word lacking actually brings out it says lagging it indicates a lagging or in fact some translate it very literally and say, don't be lazy in zeal. Well, you know, the, the zealous kind of attitude, that's for the younger newborn Christians. Why? Why? Why is it just for them? Why is it just for somebody who all of a sudden God has placed his hand on their lives? He brought them into the kingdom and they've repented. They've given their hearts to Christ and, and they get up. They're a brand new creation. They're, they're a brand new person. And they get up from the altar and, and, and that's something else we got to see more and more of. They get up from the altar and they're on fire for Jesus. They want God because they just realize that, that God has forgiven them much. So they want to be their very best for him. But oh, you just wait. You know, it always takes a bunch of old wet blankets to kind of put out the fire. You know, in the olden days before they had, you know, the, the 911 and call the fire. You know, you, you fought a fire. If you had an old blanket, you just, you know, if you could get it into some water, you could, you could pretty much douse a fire that had just started. Be careful that we don't become wet blankets, either in somebody else's lives or in our own lives. Now, I can't be too crazy and radical here. Why not? What has he done for you? 
did Jesus, what we're celebrating at this Christmas season, that Jesus came to this earth, he died on the cross for your sins. Yes, he was born a baby, but that baby grew up to become the savior of the world. The, the angel said it to Joseph in a dream, you'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from what? Their sins. There isn't anybody else who can do that for you. But Jesus, He's done so much for each and every one of us. He has done more for you than you can ever begin to imagine. And we sit by and we moan and we groan about our lives and we wonder how in the world we're ever going to make it. Well, it just means I can't come to church ever again for the next three months because I've got to do what i got to do. Let me tell you what you got to do. you got to put Him first. Never be lacking in zeal. Don't be lazy in zeal. What are your pursuits? What are you going after? I don't know about you, but I want to go after the Lord more and more and more. Because when you, you look around, you realize how temporary life is. You know, the older we get, the more we understand about how fast life goes. The older we get, we understand that we're not going to be here forever, at least on this earth for now. We all, we understand that, you know, in an instant, life can be over. We know that. And yet, for all of our pursuits, we pursue the things that last just for a short while. In fact, some of the things that you've pursued have broken. Some of the things that you've gone after, they're no good anymore. You've had to replace them. You've had to go get something new to replace it, something better. You've had to go after all kinds of things. And i got to tell you, listen, I, I believe and I commend all of you. I commend those of you who work and you say, i got to work. I'm going to work. The Bible commends working. It doesn't commend laziness. It doesn't commend ever you just sitting around and mooching off the system or mooching off unemployment or mooching off whatever it is. If you can find a job, get a job. And those of you who are able to work, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. But let me tell you, in that pursuit even, and I know you have to pay the bills, but in that pursuit, let me tell you, let me encourage you, please, in the midst of all of that, do not place God number two, number three, or lower down on the list. Make sure He's number one. You take time for Him. You take time so that, the, that God can, uh, can know that you mean business with Him and that you are not lacking in zeal. You, your pursuit is not lacking lagging behind and just sort of slowing down. God has called us, brothers and sisters, to a great task. I started a, and I put a message in the bulletin. I hope you take time later on to read that. With the bulletin will be in your Bible, I hope, for the rest of the month. So take some time this week to read some things that I wrote. There are some things that are on my heart for the new year. One of those things is this. Paul said, or, or Jesus said to Paul, on one occasion in the book of Acts, he says, for I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. When you look around the city that we live in, brothers and sisters, we are but a small, one small church in a very big city. There are a lot of churches like ours. There are a lot of churches, some bigger, some smaller. But we, we have a great task. As many churches in this city as preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach repentance by faith, salvation by faith, as many as do that, the job is undone. It remains undone. It is the unfinished task. 
And we have a great job to do, brothers and sisters. It's not all dependent on the pastor. Because as we look around us this morning, I can almost guarantee that for the most part, we have mostly believers in this room. So our job isn't done. We have a great task in front of us. Our pursuit has to be God's pursuit. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He told them to preach the gospel. You know, preaching is not standing behind a pulpit and being loud and having a deliverance, you know, or a deliverance. You might want to be delivered. Or having a message delivered in a manner like what I might be delivering it to you today. The term preaching literally just means to persuade people. That's why I believe preaching doesn't just occur from behind the pulpit. It occurs where you are. It occurs out on the street. It occurs, you know, around the, around the, the, the water machine where you, you get that bottled water and you're standing there with a coworker. It occurs next door to you in your apartment building. It occurs on the bus when you're on your way to work. It occurs on the L as you're on your way to, to get to your job. It occurs right there and you can, you can be a preacher of the gospel. But you can't if your pursuit is not him. Because when our pursuit is not him, we will cower in a corner. But this is why it's so important for us to do what Paul says next in this verse. He says, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Keep. Your spiritual fervor, that word fervor, as I mentioned earlier, comes from a root word that means to boil. The idea is that of bubbling or welling up. Uh, have you ever stood over a pot to watch it boil? Right when it gets to that point, you know it's about ready to happen. At least you think it's about ready to happen. You're standing there, and you're standing there, and you're watching that pot, and all of a sudden you're like, come on, boil. I wonder sometimes if God doesn't say to us as he's watching us in our lives, and maybe it is that we're trying to press in a little bit more, a little bit closer to the Lord, but then distractions come. Then things come that kind of take away from our, our spiritual fervor. It takes away from that, 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 that heat that is supposed to bring us to a boil. And God's looking at us saying, I've supplied the fire of the Spirit. I've given you exactly what you need to be able to, to bubble over and to be able to well up and to be able to have springs of living water from the inside of you coming out of you. I've given you what you need, but, but you're not bubbling. You're not, you're not there's, there's no life. There's no, no welling up. You ever see that pot when it starts to boil? I mean, the steam, you got a cover on it maybe, and the steam is pouring out, pushing out the sides. There is great power. There is great force. Think about it for a minute. For a lot of years, trains operated on what? Steam. They'd fuel a big coal furnace. It would heat up, create steam, and it was a steam locomotive. And that train would be pulled by nothing more than steam. Imagine. The power there is in that boiling over. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you today, what is your spiritual fervor like? Are you boiling? Maybe you're lukewarm. Oh, don't be that. Oh, dear Jesus, please don't be lukewarm. 
He said, I would. would. In, in Revelation chapter 3, when he talks to the Laodicean church, Jesus is speaking and he's giving a message to the, the church of Laodicea. He says, I would rather that you be, you be hot or cold, but I don't want you lukewarm because lukewarm doesn't, it's no good. It's not refreshing. There's nothing good about it. And some say that there were these springs that were near the, the, Laodicea, the city of Laodicea during that time that were, were not, they weren't hot springs like what we could find today in, in some places. They weren't cold springs of water. They were lukewarm springs. So anybody who would go there and think, I'm going to get refreshed with these, these springs of water, they would go there and, and all of a sudden put that warm, warmish kind of water in their mouths and, and immediately it would just come out of their mouth. He said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because there is nothing that I can do with lukewarm. Lukewarm is that, that sense of I've got everything together. I'm spiritually okay. Come on, pastor. I agree theologically with you. So i got to be okay. Come on, pastor. I'm here today, aren't I? I'm here. But brothers and sisters, there is more to being here than just being here. There is more to your ability, there is more to your being a part of this local assembly than just your, your presence in the pew. I'm thankful for, for the presence in the pew. When we started the meeting today, we had about a third of what we've got right now. Thank you for showing up. But beyond that, it's more than just about taking up space. It is, God, I am coming after you. I want to meet you. I want to touch you. I want to reach out for more and more of you. You say, how do I do it? It's very simple. God has given us one avenue that is so vital and so important to our Christian lives. In fact, we depend on it daily, and it's called prayer. Say, the fire is beginning to die. I'm beginning to feel and sense there is a lukewarmness coming over my soul, and only you can know that. I don't know that today. I can only deliver what I feel the Lord has burdened my heart to deliver today. But only you know what's going on in the inside of your heart. You have to test your heart. You have to say, Lord, show me. You know, search me, as the psalmist said. See if there be any wicked way in me. See if there's anything that distracts me from the presence of God and distracts me from following you with all of my heart. See if there is anything on the inside that has to change. And brothers and sisters, begin to say, Lord, light the fire under my pot again. Light the fire under my life again that I might boil over, that I might bubble over and be able to be a blessing to those who are around me. God has called each and every one of us to be ministers of reconciliation. That is, that we would bring those who don't know Christ to a place of being reconciled to God. There is only one way that it can happen, and it is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Brothers and sisters, we have to believe and pray, Lord, let my spiritual fervor, let that boiling point happen. I want to be a boiling believer. I want to be somebody who is bubbling over with the power of the Holy Spirit. You might be sitting here today, you might be saying to yourself, you know, I'm not really sure I can do that, Pastor. 
I don't really know if I can let some of these things go and I can prioritize because maybe that's going to mean that, that I'm going to have to let go of this or I'm going to have to let go of that. Can I tell you today that you, you can let go of everything in this life and if you have Jesus, you have enough. Don't ever think for a minute that somehow you can't let some of these things around you go. If you got to let it go, let it go. But listen, God will be right there to help you and He will pour in the fire and make you effective for the kingdom. There was a man, this word actually fervor is only used two times in the Bible. Two times in the New Testament, I should say. This particular Greek word that's used. It's used in another place. You don't need to turn there, but let me just read this verse of Scripture out of Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, and it is about this man, Apollos. Apollos was a man who who loved Jesus. And at this point, he had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He knew only the baptism of John. But Acts chapter 18 and verse 25 says this about him. He had had been instructed in the way of the Lord. You see, it's very important that you are instructed in the way of the Lord before you're able to give out. This is why I believe it's so important for us as believers to get into the house of God. If you're a new believer, a new Christian, you need to be in church, not away from church, in church. You need to receive instruction. You need to get with somebody else, an, an older believer. You need to connect with them. And, and begin to ask them questions, begin to get into the Bible and ask them. But the Bible says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. I like that, he taught about Jesus accurately. But notice how it was that he spoke. He spoke from that bubbling over. He spoke out of that welling up experience. When you speak out of an experience that has coldness, lifelessness, lukewarmness, there isn't any effect that it will have on anybody. The Bible lets us know that he spoke, and he spoke accurately about Jesus. He spoke with great fervor, though he knew only the baptism of John. Apollos was a man of God. Paul even talks about him in 1 Corinthians. Paul mentions this man, Apollos, as as being somebody who was a great man of God. And why is it? Because he had this this fervor on the inside. He had let God light the fire in his life, and he didn't let it go out. Brothers and sisters, when you're talking to somebody about Jesus, let it be out of the overflow. You see, if you're dead on the inside spiritually, there is no overflow. If you're dead on the inside and there is a lukewarmness, there is nothing on the inside that is going to speak life to that individual. But brothers and sisters, when we get into the presence of God and we say, God, you light the fire once again in my life. Don't let the fire go out. i got to tell you, there is going to be a boiling believer that's going to come out of that prayer closet. And a boiling believer always changes things. You can put some pasta in a pot of water. Cold water, lukewarm water, whatever. And that pasta is never, ever going to cook the way that it should. But you put that pasta in boiling water, and you get yourself a nice, good... I'm making everybody hungry now, aren't I? 
So sorry about that. But you get that, that pasta out of there, just a little al dente, and it comes out, and oh, put some of my father-in-law's meat sauce all over it. Now I'm really, really in trouble. Put some, some, some cheese over it, make some mac and cheese. Sister Jeanette, yeah. She's got the, she's got the recipe. And that pasta has changed. It's changed, Why? Because it's been affected by that boiling pot of water. It has been affected by that which is, it can change things. You see, when we're lukewarm, we can't change nothing. When we're cold, we can change nothing. But when we are on fire with the Holy Spirit, when we let the fire of the Spirit come into our lives and motivate us and move us, i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, there will be a zeal that will come over your life that will consume you. Listen to what the psalmist wrote. He said these words. He said, for the zeal for your house consumes me, he says. And the insults of those who insult you fall on me. He says, the zeal for your house consumes me. I sometimes wonder why it is that church services get the, you know, they're sort of like, if I got time, I'll make it. There used to be a time where that was the thing you made time for. You know what? I grew up in farm country. Forgive me for that, but I did. I'm not from the city. I grew up in the, the, the backwoods of northern Maine. And as I reminisced a little bit, I mentioned a little bit about that in the letter that I wrote in uh, the message that I wrote in the bulletin. But as I remember, I began to r- remember some of the men who attended my father's church in Maine. They were farmers. They were potato farmers. These guys got up before the crack of dawn. They saw the sunrise. They were already out in the fields, working in the fields. They worked all day. They sat on a tractor and they worked those fields. They planted seed. They, 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 they rode the hose or the, 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 uh, the rows of, uh, went through the rows hoeing and, and, you know, harrowing the, the rows of potatoes. And over time, those potatoes began to grow. They had to go back out in the fields and they were out there all day. They're out there so long. And then they come in and they realize, you know what? It's, it's the midweek service. And I remember this one man who was in his 80s and still harvesting potatoes. Harry Wright, his name was. And Brother Wright, old Brother Wright, hobbled in after being on the tractor himself out in his potato fields, just a small potato farmer, but it was still hard work. And he'd come in on a Wednesday night, and he'd sit there, and he'd enter in, and he would praise, and he would worship. He'd come in on Sunday, and he'd give himself to worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord. And another uh, husband and wife farmer team, they would come in as well, and they'd be in the presence of the Lord. Men who had been out in the woods harvesting uh, pulp, harvesting trees, to then go to the paper mill that supplies, helps supply our paper supply that we need and we depend on on a daily basis. These are the guys going out in the woods, cutting down the trees, hauling them out. That's hard work. It's not easy work. And they go out there and yet they come in and they realize, you know what, it's a Wednesday night. I got to get to church. So they cut off work just a little bit early to be able to get into the presence of the Lord. Why? Because the zeal for the house of the Lord consumed them. They said, I've got to be in the presence of the Lord. I've got to be where God is. I can't be out in this field anymore. Zeal for your house consumes me. 
Brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart that we need to pray and say, God, help me to have a zeal for your house. For many, it is the bottom of the list. I want to encourage you today, let's move it up on the list. Let's move it up and let's believe God. Now, it's possible to have misplaced zeal. I'm going back to zeal a little bit today. But the idea of us being boiling Christians, it, it just simply indicates that we're going to have this zealous attitude toward God. But you know, it's possible to have misplaced zeal. Listen to what Paul says about before his before Christ life. His before Jesus. This was Paul in B.C. mode. You know, before Christ. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, as for zeal, persecuting the church. Paul was so zealous, but he had a misplaced zeal or a uh, a zeal that was put in the wrong direction. He said, I was so zealous, but I was zealous for the wrong thing. I was persecuting the church. That was before Jesus. He goes on, he says, as for legalistic righteousness, he said, I was faultless. He said, I lived the law, but I was without hope. But listen, when the Holy Spirit came, when Paul received Jesus on that road to Damascus and the Holy Spirit was poured out on his life, all of a sudden he went from being a persecutor to being somebody who would be known as a New Testament author. He went from somebody who was a legalistic man to being somebody who championed grace. He would be somebody who would take the gospel to the Gentiles. Why? Because all of a sudden there was this fervor, there was this boiling point that he had reached because the Holy Spirit had come in his life and as a result of that he said, I'm going to do everything that I did for the, the world and for Judaism. I'm going to do it better for Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. Brothers and sisters, whatever you're pursuing that has nothing to do with Jesus, can I tell you, or at least ask you this question, what are you pursuing more? That stuff or Jesus? And you know what? If you're going after those things, it might be that you've allowed something to turn out the fire. Envision your life as a pot of water on a stove. And it could be that maybe there's something that's happened to you and you've turned down the fire a little bit. Maybe a problem has come. Maybe something that's beyond your control has, has happened to you and you just get so distracted by that that you don't spend time with God anymore. All of a sudden, somebody's you know, messing with the, the buttons on the stove. It turns down the fire. It could be that you're going after things because you think this is what's important in life. This is what counts in life. And all of a sudden now, you're turning, you're turning the fire down. I want to tell you, begin to turn the fire up today. God wants all of us to be boiling believers. There's no room in the kingdom for nominal Christianity. The kind of Christianity that is just less than radical is nothing more than lukewarm Christianity. You and I, brothers and sisters, have been distracted. I include myself in that. 
There have been things that have occurred in the last year that have distracted all of us to some extent. And yet I believe that God is so merciful. He was merciful enough to drop this into my heart, convict me, and then say it's not just about you. There are others, and we've got to talk about it. God is merciful enough to, to come to us and say, I don't, I don't want you to go. If that You've changed the trajectory of your life. You're going in another direction. It's time to, to refocus, recenter, get your, get your heart on Jesus, get your life on Him, and, and get your mind fixed on Jesus. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, not looking unto your employer. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, not looking unto your neighbor, hanging out, having a good time. Oh, yeah, talk about God every now and then to make us feel a little bit better that we're believers? No. He wants you and I to come to a place where we will say, God, there is nothing else in this life that matters but you. Whom have I in heaven but you? Close with this. Remember when Jesus was talking to a number of disciples more than just the immediate 12. And a lot of them got offended at him. The Bible says they got offended at him and many turned and walked with him no more. If there is ever an encouraging verse of Scripture in the Bible for a pastor, it is that one. That there were those that turned away from Jesus and he was standing right there. In one sense, it's encouraging. In another sense, I think, what well, hope is there for me? But, you know, you, you, you think about that for a minute, and the, the Bible says there were many who turned and walked with him and followed him no more. And then Jesus turned to his immediate 12, and he says, what about you guys? You going to go too? I love what Peter said. Peter said, who else are we going to go to? Where else are we going to go? Who else has the words to eternal life? It's only found in Jesus, folks. Can we stand to our feet right now?